0: All I asked for was a pay raise. Yes, but what I'm trying to get you to understand is that you get paid what you do because of what you do. Justify why I should give you more money. Hey, this is Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast, Wisdom Smack. We're getting real practical today as we get into why you get paid what you do. I'll see you on the flip. I tell you, I am so blessed to be able to continue to get fodder for our daily talks. And so today is no different. I uh, recently heard of a company who was restructuring and moving into a new direction, a.k.a. they were going to be doing some massive layoffs. And people were on pins and needles as to who would be carried over to the new company. And when the dust settled uh, and people were either let go or hired on at the new company, there was something oddly uh, strange, but not unexpected, and that was the compensation of pay. Whereas a lot of the people came from a situation where their base salary was low, but their earning potential was high due to uh, commission structures and bonuses. Instead, they took the bulk of what they would earn and turned it into pay so that they had a impressive to the average eye, an impressive uh, base salary with a minuscule, emaciated bonus structure, not even a commission structure. And those who were wise understood what was happening, uh, but because of circumstances, they had to seriously take into consideration the offers that were put before them due to the current nature of this industry. Now, that got me to thinking. And as I do, I was like, hmm, there is some wisdom to be learned in this. So I've been letting it marble around and making notes and researching and, and all of that to try to get my Uh, head around it, as well as how to find practical ways. Because remember, I'm serving you as your practical priestess of wisdom here to break things down in a way where you'll be able to take action on them and help yourself if you ever get into this situation. So today we're going to come in and talk about why you get paid what you do. And we're going to actually show you how to change that. How's How's that sound? All right. Well, let's get into it. Why you get paid what you do. The first thing is, is we need to understand the breakdown of the current situation of work. And let's talk about the status quo. So um, a wonderful artic- article article uh, written in 2008 from Inc.com, and I'll put the article link in the description description talks about the three levels of work. And I chose this one because to me it was the most succinct. There are other ways of looking at bands and, and levels, but for the most part, we don't have all day. And I think we can chunk this down so that you get the gist of what's going on. So there is a base level, a middle level, and an upper level, just as you would suspect. On the base level, that's the level of action. The second level, the mid, mid medium level, that's where management starts to come in, and then the upper level level is where strategy starts to um, uh, become uh. Well, actually, that's where strategy is. Duh. All right, so let's take these individually, and then we're gonna move on, because this is just the simple foundation, getting us prepped for what we're, what we're talking about today. So, on the base level, uh, it's about action. It's really about task. It's the foot soldiers, it's the ground assault, it's the boots on the ground. So it is all about the successful execution of the required task in a predefined way in an expected time with a sufficient uh, skills level. So if you are hired to do a job, it is the base of what you need to do to satisfactorily keep your job. It is also the majority of the workforce for a company or for a project, for an event. So think about, if you will, um, seasonal help when companies uh, are, are are looking uh, to, to uh, meet the demands of their customers. They hire people for seasonal help. Now, they don't hire people to come in as management or even as strategy upper management. They hire base level workers to do the job. And this is where You're going to see more of um, non-salaried. You'll see uh, gig economy kind of people. uh, You'll see uh, wages. Okay. So then in the second part, the medium level, this is where management starts. And management is where you take into... Uh, In addition to the task and the actions, now you start to have to creatively think and ask questions about these actions. And these questions are to improve the work life. So, for instance, why are we doing these tasks? Is there a better way, a cheaper way, a faster way to do them? Who should be doing them to get the best effect? How does a task fit within the others? Now this is where we start with double looping, and other other kinds of double looping is how important is this task compared to others? Is it necessary? This is when you start moving into management. You start. You should have a proficiency on the job, but you're not necessarily the person executing the task. No, you are starting to. Um, Work with analysis of the task. All right, so this level. Like we just said, it requires you have an analytical approach. You are really comfortable with inquiry, research, systems thinking, critical thinking, communication skills, imagination, creativity, organization, and prioritization. Think about a manager at a fast food restaurant. They do all of these things. They have to figure out not only the schedule for who's working, they need to put together the best teams at any given time of operation so that the task at hand will be executed in the best way possible to make the most money for the company. And so it stands to reason that when you move into this area, because you are required to do more things, you move out of just a simple wage to a salaried wage where you still get paid. Then you have upper level, And upper level is about strategy. The double loop questions continue with management, but then it moves into what is meta. It is the in-between, the behind, the above, and all all senses of what meta means. And it, it it does this to look at the larger scope and the larger emphasis of what the company is doing. Uh, it takes a global view. Uh, how do the tasks that are happening within your company fit into the tasks within the industry, the environment, social uh, society, and even the current political uh, environment? So in order to, to make sense of this, we're going to, now that we know the, Generic levels of um, work. Let's move into how to know your place, and that's the first thing you first have to identify where you are. You can't do anything aspirationally to change anything until you understand and get a calibration of where you are. So, in order to know your place, I am going to talk to you about a few little concepts that might not seem like they're important, but they're very packed with wisdom. And when you gather, um, your information based on these little concepts, you're going to start to clearly see where you are. So the first thing is, is, are you in a high level or a low level of uh, work meaning? Um, do you work, when we talk about low level, do you work hands-on or with specific things? Are your focuses limited to the detail, to the practical, to the execution and implementation and execution of a task? Are you boots on the ground? If you are, then that would be low level. If you are high level, that means that you have to deal in the abstract. Remember the questions and the double looping, uh, the analysis and the communication and articulation of that, the priority? You are more macro, meaning large. You are moving into tactics or even into strategy. So depending on what you do dictates whether you are low level or high level. And it does not matter if you're working for someone or working for yourself. So if you're working for yourself, are you providing services where you are doing tasks for the people who have hired you? or Are you doing things to help the people strategize and understand what they need to do so that they tell their workers or they go off and do it? Depending on how you answer that, you're going to understand whether you are high level or low level there as well. Now, the amount of uh, methodolo- uh, um, uh, methodological rigor, exactness and uh, objectivity of how you look at things is going to also help you with this next concept. And it comes from uh, science. Uh, and I, when I was in college, um, I was in the hard sciences, but when I was in grad school, I moved into the soft sciences. And so being able to have a background in hard and moving to soft, I think really helped me to, uh, bring the two together in an, uh, understanding that makes it where I'm able to be more objective, On what is going on, or how to evaluate what's going on um, in things, and I want you to get to that point. So, we're going to also talk. So, we've talked about knowing your place with regards to an analysis, uh, um, being able to figure out whether you provide low level, specific micro implementation and execution of tasks, or if you're high level, where you are doing abstract, micro, and strategic things. And I hear you, some of you're like well I'm an I'm an analyst where do I fit as an, an as an analyst your work product what you produce are you producing things that are tasks are you producing things that are concepts ideas methodologies uh, are are you testing out um, variations of what could be are you modeling forecasting And so based on how you answer that is how you're going to decide whether you do high level or low level work. All right. So moving into the sciences, hard science versus soft science. Michelle, why do I have to know that? To know this is going to help you to better position yourself to uh, if you want um, more with regards to payment or earnings. We'll talk about that in a minute. This is going to be the, the jumping board to get you there. All right. So Hard science has to deal with the quantitative, that which is measured, uh, which can be tested and replicated. Think of it when we're talking about actual hard science. Those are going to be natural sciences like your biology, chemistry, and physics, whereas Soft sciences are going to be more qualitative. They're going to be experiential and observable. Uh, They're not going to necessarily be a one plus two plus three. There won't be a lot of data and charts per se. There can be, but that is only after the experience has been done and observed and then quantified. And so the soft sciences are going to be the social sciences like economics, psychology, and sociology. And to understand the difference between the hard and the soft is, are you a person who is doing quantitative, measurable things? Like if you are a customer service representative, you are doing quantitative things because you're Pro, uh, production can be tracked, it can be measured, and it can be replicated. They, you can. They know how many calls you can take in a given amount of time. They know uh, how you're doing based on surveys after the call from the people that you talk with, and so all of that is a natural progression of the quantitative, the quantity. Uh, but. The qualitative would be the person who is doing comparative analysis of your work. They are workers as well, but they are gathering all the data that you use and they are extrapolating from that data new insights, new questions of how can we do this process easier? How can we take the repetitious stress off of the workers to help them be more productive and and the like. You can also have the management doing that. So as you can see, these things are starting to help you get an understanding of why you get paid what you get paid. And I hope you can start to see now that the base level, the action takers, the, and when I say action takers, the people who are hired, boots on the ground to execute, they get paid wages, whereas the higher you go, they get paid salary now everybody all of this is still in the same bucket because we're going to make this transition now to helping you understand that the question is not necessarily about why you get paid what you get what you do but how to change uh and move away from getting paid stick with me so here's the transition. Um, a little while ago, I saw a quote and I expanded on it. It was a quote about employees and bosses. And because I have not been in that world for many years, um, I kind of had an outsider's observation on it. And so I took a stab at it and put it out on social media. And so I'm going to read it to you uh, right now. And that is, now the first two were already established. Let me make sure I give attribution to the anonymous anonymous person that I got this from. So the first two of this are, a great worker knows how, a great boss knows why. I'm going to say that again. A great worker knows how, and a great boss knows why. Okay. But then I added on, A great entrepreneur knows what, a great investor knows when, a great influencer knows who, a great movement knows where, but a great master knows wisdom. And so the transition is that you have to take all of your knowing how, why, when, what, uh, who, and where and turn it into wisdom. Wisdom, as defined in this situation, is where you take information, knowledge, and experience, and you turn it into an um, ability to uh, know a lot of all the moving parts, but then move in a different way, act in a different way. It is where you get into customization. And so, Here is where we're going to start talking about that. So now that you know why you get paid, what you do, and you have some diagnostic tools of high level, low level, hard and soft, um, these are some ways that you can move away from that. If if you're not liking your income, if you're not liking your salary and your wage, here are some wisdom points to help you. One of the first things I'll tell you is when um, I'm blessed to talk with people who want to move into generating their own income, uh, having a side hustle even instead of getting a second job, get a side hustle, something that you can own and control. Is I talk with them about the middle. And I talk with them about identifying the silent majority, the middle, the mundane middle. But another thing I talk to them about is identifying the unpopular, the undesirable, and the forgotten. Because in this area, a lot of people do not necessarily serve them whether they think they do or they don't. How many times have you been researching for a way to get your come up or a way to improve your quality of life only to be inundated with articles and studies on the top 10 jobs in uh the 2020s or uh the best jobs to make a salary a six figure salary all these kinds of things everybody is always concentrating on the popular on um the uh the darling of the moment and uh most people are not realizing that there is great treasure value and worth in going the opposite direction or a different angle at something, all right? So instead of looking for these popular trendy top highest types of jobs or income, social standing, whatever, learn to exploit the low, invisible, undesirable positions, the options to make yourself powerful and indispensable to become a linchpin in these areas. In another podcast, I talked about the story of waste management and how that gentleman decided to get into the trash game and to deliver his uh, sanitary services to unincorporated areas, to areas that were far and few between, that were outside of city limits or government municipalities. And because he did exactly this, he identified the unpopular, the undesirable, how much more unpopular and undesirable can you get to become a trash man for people who don't belong in a um, in a uh, city or a municipality where they would be able to get services offered to them? How many times have you thought, huh, maybe I should go? and figure out the people who the majority, the popular, have ignored or cannot see. That is a a great opportunity for you to be able to exploit this, to get past being paid for something. Because if you can see how we're correlating this together, you can start to see that to be paid by someone is the popular view. The unpopular view is to be out on your own, but it is not that hard. Trust me, it is not. It is not that hard. So that's one of the biggest ones I can give you with the time constraints that we're working in today because this is a podcast. This is not one of my trainings. Okay, but understand that. Look for those opportunities. And so here is the answer of how to move forward. Uh, if you don't like what you get paid for what you do, here's how to move forward. The first thing I'm going to say is is run yourself in your life like a utility. We always talk about being useful, and I had someone ask me about that. They were like, "Well, what do you mean useful instead of helpful?" And I was like, "Okay, um, helpful." is going to the movie. Useful is keeping the lights on. And so there are things such as fixed cost that you have are fixed expenses. And one of the most powerful ways to get or move past getting paid for something and then moving into earning something, we'll talk about that in a minute, is that you run yourself like a utility. You build your strategic utility or usefulness such that you become a uh, necessary, a mandatory fixed expense. You learn how to get on someone's budget. I'm going to tell you when I was coming up, I learned how to do this as a cosmetologist, a hairdresser. I became really good at what I did and thus my clients started putting me on the budget. I no longer was an option. I no longer was just a task. I moved out of that system and became a utility, a highly useful, specified, unique performance that they needed. I became part of how they presented their daily uniform to their work and what they did because I made them presentable, but not only presentable, I made them presentable in a sustainably healthy way. Um, I kept their hair healthy. Okay, So I'm just trying to give you um, a real world instance of how to do that. It is not where you have to go so meta in the sky. You can do it uh right here with the mundane, look for the middle, the unserved and be, and becoming this mandatory utility. I want to talk about how it happened right under our noses with two industries, the cell phone industry and the bottled water industry. Right now, when people make their grocery list and go to the grocery store, it amazes me how many um, cases of water. Uh, people have. Now I'm guilty too, because each month I buy 25 gallons in, in five, five gallon jugs. I definitely go get my purified. I mean, my, my, st- my distilled water. And that is part of my grocery bill. So the water industry turned themselves from a nice to have to a must have. They became a utility same thing with the cell phone. The cell phone was able to capitalize on their portability and the extra functions to the point where now a cell phone is not just a phone. If anything, it does everything but a phone. It is a portable way to stay connected with the world and to constantly be giving you updates of of information, entertainment, um, and the uh, and and connection, digital connection through text, voicemails, face to face, FaceTimes, and all of that kind of stuff. And so they both became fixed, mandatory utilities. And you you would do well to run your life the same way. And. This is another thing. I've talked about this in uh, Play Bigger, a book that I read, Play Bigger, uh, talking about becoming a category king. And to become a category king, I know I keep talking to you guys about the flow of energy, but you got to listen because it's so important. And this is where wisdom is leading at least me and and the listeners of this podcast. And that is to understand the flow of energy is that it moves from the many to the few. Eventually, an Any organization, any industry, you go from the many to the few, and it can become a monopoly. And when you are learning to run your life as a utility or your services to become a fixed mandatory utility, you shouldn't be able to be so easily consumed into the other few. That means that as a category, king or queen, you must understand how to increase your utility to your end users and how to become specific. And the best way to do that is to increase your utility by making it about character and not function. And when we say character and not function, it is not all about the task. Remember the three levels of work? It is more so about that person or that service that can anticipate the needs of the people that they serve. And the biggest way to do that is to get very specific, dwindle down to the small and Meet the needs of those uh, people, whether you be offering products, goods, services, or or something else. Meet the needs of the specific. So for instance, if you are great at websites, it is not enough to go after small businesses or after uh, musicians. What you want to do is you want to go after a um, floral small business uh, in a certain town. And once you have conquered that floral small business or businesses in a certain town, then move up because now you are the premier website provider for the florist in this small town. And you have cachet now. We've talked about cachet. You've got the, um, the seal of approval from people that you're able to tap into the strength and the authority of who they are. Now, remember the other day, I know I keep giving y'all a lot of stuff, but trust me, just go back and listen to it. You put me on 2X and, and listen and take notes. Um, but it's all about how to eat well now, because people are looking for expertise, authority, and trustworthiness, and you do that by specific use, by tailoring your need, your what you provide to specific groups, and so character, not function. The character is the good habits that you bring to um, providing for people, not only task. That you provide, but you provide a new way of life. You provide a better life experience. Don't get stuck and so hemmed in on tasks and the narrow rewards that come with just charging for what you do. Move in the ways like Apple used to be, where they didn't just charge you for their um, digital products and their uh, technology. They, they charged you for the experience that they provided you. And it was a premium experience and people were glad to pay for it. And so that's where it moves into character over function. Being able to master yourself uh, to become a great utility in this way, you become a person who can command investment retainers and become part of the budget of the people who are your end users. And so that is how you can run your life and what you do as a utility and not as um, a nice to have or even a commodity. The next thing is is to become an excellent communicator. Uh, in um, Next month, I'm going to be presenting an offer to people to come in and work with me in a group on how to um, think well, strategize, communicate, and write. Because it is something that people have overlooked, that one of the fastest ways to gain market share, uh, preeminence, Uh, money is to be able to be a great and excellent communicator through the various forms. You need to learn how to get your point across without ambiguity. You need to know how to hit the right points, how to teach and train and educate people into what you're trying to say, even if you're just trying to entertain them. There is an underline, understanding subtext, and so many different things that uh, we take for granted when it is executed well, but when you try to do it, you can't. I recently had a situation with someone I was trying to give them money. I was trying to work with them, but their communication skills were less than a lot to be desired, we had a breakdown in communication where they couldn't understand me and I couldn't understand them. And it was clearly because they were so much about the task of what they did. They weren't artists. They were so much about the task of what they did that they didn't understand that in order for someone to be able to compensate you for the task of what you do, they need to be able to have a transactional relationship with you that is... Co- coherent. And so becoming an excellent communicator is not just about public speaking. It's not just even about inspiration or motivation. It is about the very survival of your life and how you can take care of yourself. Because if we can't understand you, we can't hire you. And part of being an excellent communicator is learning and understanding the art of persuasion the, and the principles of influence you have to master them as well as the understanding the context of the situation. I'm gonna talk a little bit about how to do this, one of the shortcuts, and it's in plain sight, people do it all the time, but because people are not willing to share their secrets, secrets with you, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm, I'm about to shake it up, <laughs> is that uh, they make it harder than it is. Now, it's not hard, But it does take time, effort, and um, determination to get it. So with becoming an excellent communicator to to do these things, and we talk about being uh, persuasive and influential, you have to understand that there are forms and levels of language as well. So just like work, uh, more so, if you do a Google search and you say levels of usage, they're going to talk about education, not education, they're going to talk about communication. You, uh, and it goes well beyond formal, casual, and colloquial, or what we call slang. One of the best and fastest ways, the biggest bang for your buck, if you want to become a better communicator and increase your earnings, your income, is to understand and become pro- pro- proficient at first and masterful at the art of metaphor. So let me talk really quickly about metaphor. In the past, I have um, highlighted a book called Metaphorically Selling. That is a a great everyday use book for people who sell and how to use metaphor. And what metaphor is, if we we go and we look at what Aristotle says, is that metaphor is the process of giving a a thing a name that belongs to something else. As simple as that. There's this great uh, TED talk from 2009 uh, by author James Geary that did a really good uh, treatise of metaphoric metaphorical speaking. And it's only like nine minutes. uh, So you can check that out. Um, But what he talks about is um, this concept. And he brings up something that's really good that until he brought it up, I, I did not know how I did it or how we did it. But we do it. I do it in writing. We do it in speaking and communicating. And it is what takes you over the top. And I used to think that it was just being able to use words to paint uh, vivid canvases on the minds of the hearers and the listeners, but it has a baseline and that baseline is metaphor. And so what James Geary talks about is he talks about, yes, the I, he, he talks about what Aristotle says that X does equal Y. Um, how you connect different things together is the process of metaphor and but then he goes on, and this is where I think the, the talk excels. He talks about how it is the creation of patterns, uh, new and existing, to give people new and deeper complexions of understanding what you're trying to say. It is the way that people ta- uh, interact. He he even said at the time that in a given uh, moment, we, we use um uh, not moment, but a given uh, minute, we use six metaphors. And I'm like, wow. But it's true. It is true because um, my fancy-smancy education taught me this a while ago, but they did it in the fancy-smancy way. Uh, And so I'm not going to list that book, but it's a textbook. But if you want to learn about ontological uh, um, logic and all of that, he's saying it in a nice way. And that is is that what he talked about was to create these patterns, first of all, you need to understand how people recognize the patterns. And he gave this famous example of Kiki and Bobo. And the example is this. Uh, picture, if you will, a blob, two blobs. One of the blobs, its little protrusions or splatters is rounded. But the other blob, its protrusions or sp- uh, spatters are spiky. And then he says, which one is kiki and which one is boba? And most people, and he even did a little quick test. Most people are going to say that the rounded edges one is a boba and the spiky edges one, edges are a kiki. And I will tell you that in doing a metaphor, and becoming an excellent communicator, when you understand little nuances just like that, there's a lot of things that you can do. So for instance, if you want to elicit something out of someone of a horrible attack, you could say something like, yeah, he was bludgeoned to death. Or you can say, they killed him. Just by still using B and K, bludgeoned to death versus killed him. It's very powerful in just taking a little bit of time to go past the business-as-usual task of talking to the nuance of understanding the middle and upper levels of strategy and analysis of communicating with someone to not only be understood, but to understand and so that is going to be a huge factor that a lot of people don't uh, take advantage of. But now you can. And he ends with uh, two concepts that I want to make sure I touch before our time is over. Uh, talking about metaphor and we're talking about how to become an excellent communicator, because I'm going to tell you, if you can communicate, you can get paid. You can out uh, perform and out earn Uh, the best app developer, the best doctor, physician, all of those top jobs, you can outperform them. If if you become an excellent communicator through verbal, through visual, and through written communication. All right. So let's get back to one of these bases. Y'all, I'm giving y'all stuff that is very expensive to learn. Very expensive that people spend fortunes on learning. And so take these seeds and grow them, add water to them, all right? So what I just talked about with the Kiki and the Bulba is called conceptual synesthesia. And synesthesia is a weird uh, wiring of the brain where the people who have it in an acute manner uh, uh, get their wirings confused, like they might taste sound and hear colors, Okay, so their sensual perceptions are are different from ours. Not worse, not better, just different. But we all have a sense of synesthesia and, and, and we conceptualize it just like the example of the kiki being pointed and Bulba being round. Think about it. You might be shaking your head saying no, but you do. If someone says she's hot or she's a cold fish, you immediately have made and have made the connection because the creation of the pattern has been established now hot does not mean that she's running a fever cold does not mean that she is physically frozen but we understand that hot equals sexy and cold equals harsh And so that is a bit of a conceptual synesthesia that we all participate in that as an excellent communicator, you can tweak and um, adjust at will like a great composer. And so he ends it with the proper translation of the famous, I think, therefore I am. It's the uh, "Cogito Ergo Sum. So in the uh, Cogito part, I always mess that up, but it's where we get the cognitive cognition. So the cogito part, the the that part of the of the Latin phrase, if you break it down, it means co together and gito to to move to shake. So it means to shake together. And so when he broke it down, he was like, instead of saying "I think, therefore I am," he said the translation should be "I shake things up." Therefore, I am. And I want to make this leap that when you shake things up, you tend to move out of the pay category into the earnings category. So let's talk a little bit about that. And we're going to end this because this is the last part that I wanted to um, help you with today with understanding why you get paid what you do. Now we're going to move into the ultimate solution to not try to increase your pay. You need to establish and grow your earnings. Now, we're talking for the for the for the scope of this, we're talking individuals. I'm not talking about a company, but I'll just go on and tell you when you're looking at the company's earnings, a company's earnings is what's left on the table. It's the net income after everything has been paid. It's how companies determine their um their shares, their, their rate or price for their shares and all of that is the earnings for a company is basically how good are you at turning a profit and, and, uh, keeping most of your profit B- point blank. Okay. It, it, it would be equivalent to discretionable income for us. But when we're talking about earnings versus pay here, we're talking about the individual. And, um, what I'm going to say is, and I'm gonna try to break this down, like, you know, talking to a, f- a five-year-old, all right? Um, your pay, and that does include a salary or a wage, is what you get paid for doing tasks as a wage or uh, helping others to figure out as a company. You see, when you move into the middle and upper management, you become an agent of the company working on its behalf to keep it as healthy as possible. But you still get paid for it because it's still a form of a task. So what you get paid, what your salary is, what your wages are, that's the money you work for from a company or entity. And your pay is the gross amount that you see before fees, taxes, insurance, and et cetera that you have to pay out of your paycheck. Okay. Whereas, earnings are all the money that you accrue in a set amount of time. It can be derived from uh, taking like a calculation of how much money you had in a certain amount of time. And that would be earnings. But more specifically, earnings are the uh, bottom, it's what you have received Uh, for your goods, your products, your services, it is beyond what you are paid because you can receive earnings from something you did not work for at this particular time. Say, for instance, like me, I have books that are 10 years old that I receive money for today. I did not work in this year for those, those earnings, but I received them. And so, those are earnings, aka royalties, residuals, and that kind of stuff. And so, when you start making the switch from thinking that all of your income comes from what you work for, it opens up your understanding of how to get more of the good, good, more of the money. And so, with earnings, we are talking about that money that comes into you, that you receive. And like I said, we we can look at it this way. It's how much you get to keep, uh, how much you get to receive, not just how much you earn, okay? Too many people believe that income only comes from a job. And when people like myself outside of that say money does not necessarily come from a job. They think we are talking hoodoo and magic when we are talking earnings versus pay. And so I wanted to give you that wisdom smack uh, to let you know that there's a reason why you get paid what you do. You get paid based on an established system of What level are you on? Are you the task doer? Are you the task maker? Are you the task creator? That's the three levels that that come from it. And understand that if you're in that system, you will only always get paid what that system deems that you need to get paid. Whereas with earnings, there is no limit. If you want more, you figure it out on how to get more. And you can do that by becoming an excellent communicator, by making yourself into a utility, a mandatory fixed expense where you are on somebody's budget. And another thing I want to say about this is that if you really want to become very powerful in upping your earnings game, In addition to becoming an excellent communicator, become or hire, or well, I would ask you to become one, but become a mental architect, a designer, a tailor, or even a seamstress of thoughts and concepts. You want to be the person who is able to problem solve, come up with the plan and the execution, and then get people to pay you for that where you never have to make it work. You just come up with the ideas. That is a mental architect. Think about architecture. Architects get paid very handsomely to come up with the concept, concept design and the blueprint for a building. After Only after they have come up with a concept does it change to the task uh, I um, task strategist down to the task makers. So it then moves from them to a developer or a contractor who then takes what the architect has, has dreamt up, put together, and executes on it. And that architect gets paid handsomely for being that mental uh, guru of design, architecture, tailoring, stitching together the things and the concepts that will work. And so moving from uh, being within your system of pay and learning to shake things up. And a lot of times, all it takes is for you to shake yourself up, for you to become uh, more. Remember what the new translation is? I shake things up, therefore I am. That is how you get above getting paid what you get paid for. Now. As I close this out, I am not saying to go and um you know quit your job. Nope. You you still need that. You still need that because it takes time to learn these concepts and to act on them. Uh you want to make sure that you're able to come with a uh, uh an, an e- I don't want to say easy, but you're able to come come through these stages, go through these stages with as much buffer as possible, a.k.a. a paycheck. That is why people say don't quit your J-job because it takes time to learn these processes. Even to know them and to learn them, uh, those are just the beginning stages. When you start making them into wisdom and understanding how to do it at will, you become an alchemist at this where you're able to take little and make much out of it because Of your understanding of what it means to move past being paid, to learn how to increase your earnings and how to um, dictate these things. The last few moments, I I just want to tell you a few little things about this. And this is an uh, economic reframe that I want to leave you with. And so what I want you to do is I want you to understand that instead of getting a loan, make an investment. Instead of looking at everything as a cost, reframe it as an investment into your future. Do not spend dollars to trade in for dimes. And when I say that, take a look and see how much you are spending um, to do a task. If it is not worth it, update to a a better task so that you can sustain yourself to learn how to grow your mind and your understanding of how to get earnings. Because when people are out here trying to make it, they have to understand, am I I in the task system or am I in the earning system? Once you can make those differentiations through wisdom, then you know how to act accordingly. And as I said, I just gave you some shortcuts. The fastest ways you can increase your earnings are to run your life or your business like a utility, increase your ability to communicate, become an excellent communicator, shake things up by using metaphor and understanding how to truly uh, sway and influence people. And then become a mental architect, a designer, a tailor, or a seamstress of thoughts and concepts. And you are going to see that your life will change. You all, please, please put this into practice. And then give me feedback. Send me notes, updates. Let me know your thoughts on this because this is very powerful information indeed. And so guess what? My time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. Don't forget to check the show notes and please consider using our Amazon link in support of the show at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ when you do any and all of your Amazon shopping. We may receive a small commission uh, that will help go towards the furthering of this daily, yes, daily podcast. But thank you so much um, for sharing, liking, commenting, and listening. I appreciate you. And guess what? I am going to see you tomorrow. Bye, dears.